before. And you'd be surprised the stuff we get sent as well. Obviously, now that we've got a bit of a name, like people are sending us all this uh, crazy sports saying, oh, we should do this, you should do that. I think um, it's, uh, you know, everything gets considered. I'll put it that way. Would you bet on slap fighting? Two people jujitsu wrestling in a car? What about on putt-putt golf? I'm Rand James of Gaming Today. Bill Yucatonis and Mike Salvaris of the Pro League Network hope that you would watch and bet on all three of those. They join us on the Playbook Podcast to explain their vision of sports and sports betting in the future. All right. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. Uh, really interesting uh, with the uh, with Pro League Network. I just want to start off before we talk about your backgrounds extensively and, and all that great stuff. Is I was just watching some videos about what you guys do. World Putting League, okay, that that's kind of interesting. But slap fight, car jitsu, honestly, I had no idea. I, I assumed it was going to be like a like a world rally thing. I, I didn't realize it was it was dudes in cars fighting. That that's awesome. Did, where where does the the ideation of this stuff come up with? And and uh, what's the process of saying yes to something and no to something? Because that's some of that's pretty out there. Yeah, I mean, part of it is. Uh... You know, part of it is uh, made in-house, but also part of it is, you know, for example, take the Kajitsu uh, example, where we saw um, the creator of Kajitsu is a guy called Vic Mahiv. And, um, you know, we saw he was doing a few uh, fights, if you will, on YouTube that, you know, didn't have a lot of traction, but had a little bit. But we thought there was something about that sport um, that uh, we feel like we could... Uh, professionalize and really start to, you know, put some some interesting uh, PLN spin on it. And so, you know, we went out and we met with, tracked him down, met with Vic and uh, ended up, you know, uh, you know, doing a, um, making a deal with him that, you know, allowed us to sort of operate Kajitsu and, you know, give him give us his blessing to really grow the sport in the way that we thought that there was potential there for it to be grown. Um, and, you know, if you think about, if we think about across our sports, we're at, you know, 12 or so sports across our portfolio, you know, all of them, there's sort of three to four factors that we look at, you know, in, in applying a criteria. So, you know, one is, I guess the, you know, do we feel like there's a, an audience either from our existing base or from a, another established base that we could cross, you know, we could promote the sport to second is really about the ease of execution of the operations, like you know, stuff with, uh, you know, with tens of tens or 20 team members per, per side is just harder to produce than, than one-on-one sports in a, in a studio. And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a less objective, I guess, more subjective, uh, determination there is like, does it really pop on social media or whatever? You know, is this something that's going to cut through the clutter? And I think that, you know, with all our sports and, you know, you could argue, especially with Kajitsu, it really does cut through the clutter of traditional sporting content um, in a way that's certainly resonating uh, on social and is resonating with, um, you know, with our partners. And who, so who, well, I, I'm really curious to know, like, what are some of the, the things that the group said, nah, I don't, I don't think that's doable because it, it, it's a cool lineup of things like slap fight. My God. But I mean, w- t- tell me some things that were sort of, you know, thrown against the wall. They're like, yeah, that, that either that's not feasible. You can't produce it. Or I don't know, maybe people aren't going to be into this. Yeah. So you build your guy. Oh, go for it. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a couple that I think that, um, I don't think we say no, no to anything, but just like now is not the right time, uh, uh, type of thing. So, uh, I'll give you an example, like, uh, like Kabaddi, um, which is uh, sort of like an Indian wrestling sport, seven on seven, um, which is a sport that we like and it's, it's actually pretty interesting, but, um, I think for us where we are now, probably not the right thing, uh, mainly because of the the production you need the you know, the, uh, the 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 kind of the space that you need and also um, the audience uh, you know having to explain that sport to an audience is 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 tricky and you do need um, you need I think we need more of a base of of of, of that before we would sort of move into that um, but there are other sort of made up sports if you will that um, that are you know generally involving um, you know, large fields of play or, or lots of people that we uh, we just don't want to do right now. Yeah, I think I'll just add a couple more points. You know, one is, um, you know, if you look at some of the more mainstream or traditional formats, like, you know, take golf as an example, uh, you know, that would be a no for us. Like, we're not interested in producing an 18-hole traditional golf uh, um, event, partly because of the, the getting the right uh quality of athletes to make it interesting, but, um, you know, separately it's, it's just, they're just a crowded space with not a real opportunity. So what, what we do is we'll, we'll look at something like golf and say, okay, let's deconstruct it, right? Let's, uh, let's take mini golf as an example. Let's build a sport over around that. Um, and so we've done that. We, you know, we've got a mini golf brand, we've got a long drive brand that we're about to launch. And uh, we're also working on a uh, some target golf stuff. Um, so, like you know, the casual, short format, uh, digestible, and you know, kind of a 10, 20, 30 minute, you know, sitting um, is uh, you know is definitely where we try to stay, you know, most focused in our sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, I'm sorry. Let's say a lot of our sports that we really uh, they need to have like a casual um, feel to it, and by that we mean. Yeah, does the average person with average sports fan with not so much knowledge of the sport, do they feel comfortable looking at um, the sport for a few minutes and then forming an opinion about, you know, whether, you know, athlete X or athlete Y is going to win? And, you know, you don't have to be be aware of the deep intricacies, but you have to feel confident enough to feel that, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, placing a bet. Like a lot of our athletes, you know, a a lot of our sports the casual fan is not going to have a deep appreciation for our athletes in terms of their prior history or anything like that, but it has to quickly make a judge of like, take slap fighting. Like these two guys are going to have a slap fight. I think, you know, this guy is going to beat his win over that guy. And, um, we have to do a, you know, a lot of our sports are like specifically designed for that, for the casual fan to be able to form an opinion quickly so that they can have a rooting interest, um, going forward. When I, I did get wonky on it on the production for for just a second, I think this is interesting. We it, it it's got to be is it produced live? It, it has to be live, right? And then yeah. del- I guess stream to a, um, a sports book, and so yeah. it just pops up, and then odds pop up, and then it, it's it's gone for you know whatever amount of time you're filling. And so you're you're doing live TV and a, a betting product, kind of at the, well not at the same time. Yeah, we are. I mean, firstly, it has to be live, right? And uh, and it's subsequent late latency, so it's you know as live as we can make it, technically speaking. Um, separately, uh, we send that feed to usually ten or twelve destinations. 
um, each, uh, you know, for each live event, it could be socials, it could be book partners, it could be, you know, other, other, uh, partners that we have, you know, for each, for each of the respective sports. Um, so we do all that, you know, live, live, real time, et cetera. And then separately to all of that is the trading and data and, uh, and wagering piece, you know, so we do data collection, uh, you know, we set the lines, we figure out the markets. Uh, and we distribute those to the uh, to the books as well. And, and some books, um, you know, will trade it live uh, in play. Um, some will do pre match. So it just depends on you know the book and and the and the sport. But we, you know, overall, the whole watch and wager, being able to see one of our sports wager in cadence, um, and you know, have a good entertaining experience for you know that that session that's that that time. And, you know, if it provokes them to place a, a better tune, cool. Uh, and what we do, you know, within that is, you know, we try to not only produce in a way that is entertaining and, and approachable, uh, but we also um, are focused on um, markets that are equally approachable. Like, so case in point, back to mini golf, uh, over under on the next hole for hole in one, as an example, right? You don't necessarily need to know the deep history of everyone on the leaderboard, um, but you could make a, uh, a betting decision uh, if you so choose uh, in play and, you know, really hole by hole. And so, you know, we find that that complete experience of high quality, you know, we had, we had our own little style, our own style and flavor to it, you know, from a commentating and then, you know, we do walkouts and, you know, things that just make it, you know, kind of fun. And again, establish that rooting interest um, and then, uh, then make it bettable as well. You're involved in so many ends of it as far as the production of, I guess, all ends of it as far as yep. the production. I mean, how many employees do you have? I mean, you got to have cameramen and and techs and producers and traders. Yeah. I mean, I lost. So, like, to give you an example, like the uh, at the World Putting League, we usually have a seven or eight person crew. So, like, you know, three or four camera uh, on cameras, uh, plus some fixed cameras. And then we've got a technical director, a director. Um, and then a couple of others, you know, and then plus the, the two talent, you know, in terms of the commentating plus the athletes and, and, and the sideline reporter. So yeah, it's a, um, it's an undertaking. Um, now not all those are employees. Um, you know, we sort of, we've got, um, a production facility that we have in Branson, Missouri, and we've got some employees there that sort of, um, handle production for our combat sports. Some of our other sports, um, that we shoot on location, we have to bring in, you know, day cameraman and all that sort of camera people, I should say for, uh, for that. But yeah, it's a, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of the, uh, elements of the, of the value chain that we are touching for sure. How many days a week are you producing a show, uh, an event? You know, about an hour of bettable content right now, uh, per week. Uh, but, uh, but this time next year will be about 40 hours of live content a week. Okay. Uh, so right now it's, it's a little, episodic in the sense that like we are next our next event uh well we've got two events coming up in the next few weeks um and uh each of those events will well one will probably produce about three hours they'll each be about three hours of content so about six hours of content you know between those and so the studio model which we're which we're moving into uh where we could domicile these sports you know under in the in a studio and be able to crank it out at more scale is uh is the next evolution for us uh in 2024. Yeah. I think the two uh sports books that 
you're working with that's, that uh, jumped out. I think I remember DraftKings and was a bet three six five. Correct. Um, do you can you tell who who your customers through them is? You know whether it's an age demo, whether it's an action sports fan, or someone who's just waiting for the NBA game to come on. Can, yeah. can you tell? Yeah, we don't have um, we don't have that level of data from them, but we can tell from you know basically who our on our O and O audience you know platforms are. And we know that we are reaching that, you know, traditional, you know, male 20, 24 to 34, uh, 22 to 34, really, um, age bracket better, um, that, uh, that really likes, um, casual and engaging sports, uh, to bet on. And then, you know, depending on the, on the sport, there's a, um, there's a fandom around that particular sport, whether that be mini golf or golf, you know, there's a, there's a golf enthusiast, which is another cluster or, you know, combat sports where there's another combat sports cluster. Now, often those are the same demographic, but often there's a, there is a distinct overlap. You know, for example, I think the endemic audience uh, in putting is slightly older than the um, than the traditional sort of endemic audience in a, in a combat sport. Um, but I think, you know, regardless of the sport, we really are really are hitting that, you know, that core typically male, um, 22 to 34-year-old sports better. Do you see this company and your roles going forward as you, you'll continue to, to you know, create the, the, you know, the markets and the, and the entertainment around these non-traditional sports? Do you, I mean, one day will you blossom, bloom or explode into a more traditional, as you said, you can't go do the PGA now, but... But do you see this as the niche or do you see this, these kind of sports as growing in popularity in the future? I mean, the big four yeah. is always going to be the big four, but these kind of things where you can do something really interesting. Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the notion of the big four, you know, will be the big four. Right. And if you look at how, you know, sort of the up and coming and, and younger 20 something sports fan is consuming content and where their allegiance and, and fandom is, if you will, is it's becoming very fragmented and diluted beyond, you know, just the, the top four sports. Um, and so I think what you'll see and why we're doing this is you'll see a lot more uh, market share, if you will, uh, for just other sports that have a deep community that again are accessible like some of our sports, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, that said, we, you know, we definitely have some sports that are a little bit more mainstream. Like for example, uh, we just announced a, uh, a three X three, uh, street ball, uh, basketball league, uh, that we're doing in, uh, as a joint venture with Kevin Garnett, uh, you know, FIBA sanctioned FIBA rules. So, you know, it's got the, uh, the linkage there from an Olympic side. In fact, some of our players, uh, our former TV USA players. Um, so, you know, call that a little bit more tra traditional, you know, maybe, but I think it's, uh, it's not really a, will we blossom per se? Like this is a concerted focus for us on these types of sports We you know, we just didn't take them because it was the scraps. I mean, we were very strategically building out and, and just augmenting audiences around, you know, these lifestyle communities that exist around, sports that people are passionate about mm -hmm. yeah i think it's important to talk about like you know we have a portfolio and we really talk about it like a portfolio where you know right now we are, we've got 13 we might have 15 by the end of next year but i think that 15 will evolve you know some of those sports are evergreen right and and they'll have an audience and some of them 
will be more popular for a shorter period of time and then sail off into the sunset and then the next sport will come along. And I think what we're building isn't so much tied to any particular sport. It's more the process, the engine, you know, the capabilities to um, brand the sport, operate the sport, stream, produce the sport um, and, you know, make the sport be, um, available for wagering that we can apply to, you know, many, many, many different sports. Um, and I think, you know, we're much more about making sure that we have that audience engaged and whether it's on sport A or sport B, I think it's, you know, somewhat of a indifference. I would imagine that social media is pretty uh, effective in letting you know what what's hot, what, what people like, if people are engaging with it. And I, I would also think it's a, a means to let, um, you know, the interested parties know that an event's coming up. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's, uh, so just to, to talk about the latter point, um, absolutely, it's sort of our primary way of promotion and not so much, um, you know, as a billboard, if you will, but I think what we're able to do is, because we own the IP, there's some really interesting um, ways where we can get creators involved. So, you know, people who are out there who have, um, I'll give you an example. So, yeah, you know, Rob Pozzola at the Hammer, the Hammer HQ Network, who does a uh, you know does a fine job you know talking about uh, betting picks and previews o- across a number of sports? Um, we started working with him on on our, I think our first uh, World Putting League just as a like hey can you do a betting preview show about this or can we can we work with you on 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 featuring this for our, for a betting preview? And now that, that a relationship evolved to the sense that you know at the last event he was um, he was part of our uh you know uh, our in-house commentary team actually at the event commentating um they did a charity pro-am um, tournament beforehand that he featured and he streamed to his audience and i think it was just a great example of how we're able to involve someone a creator and their audience not so much of a, just a hey has this go watch it but really make them part of the event and i think that that's a really interesting um angle for us to pursue with uh with many of our sports um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of different creators out there who I think can add a lot of value to our sports and also that we can add a lot of value to their audiences. Mm-hmm. What the, the athlete community been like, because I mean, honestly, a, a lot of these folks have probably been toiling in anonymity. I mean, they love what they do, but this could in- really increase their profile. They become athletes in a sport where people can make wagers on it. Mean, what, what's that been like? Grateful. I mean, these uh, these athletes uh, spend a lot of time owning their craft and their skills. Um, you know, again, back on uh, the World Putting League, the mini golf athletes. I mean, they practice four, five, six hours a day. Some of them. I mean, they have they have holes in their backyard. They have a regiment, uh, and uh, and you know, it's a testament to their commitment to the sports. And you know, the athletes have been great. Uh, you know, they uh, they appreciate um, that somebody's caring about their sport. Finally. Uh, and I think, you know, what, what we've been able to demonstrate is, you know, some scale and staying power, uh, to not just, you know, do a one-off event, um, but to actually like have something that they feel like, you know, they can, uh, maybe not build a full-time profession around depending on the sport, but certainly monetize, uh, and grow, as you said, their, their street cred in that respective sport. Interesting. All right. You gentlemen, I believe are credited with creating uh, three awesome words. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw them out and let you uh, just flesh out and explain what these mean to you and how they pertain to your business. 
wagerification, disaggregation, and creatification. I think that was my favorite, creatification. So fill me in, flesh those out for me. Yeah. Well, you want to go, Mike? Yeah, sure. sure. So, um, so wagerification, I think we're referring to the ability to, um, you know, to essentially bet on, um, things that, you know, you might traditionally not have thought about betting on or, or, or around a sport. So, you know, I think, you know, everyone recognizes that, you know, you can bet on, you know, the NBA or the NFL, but, you know, I guess it, you, what we're talking about is what is the definition of a sport in, in that respect, right? And I think how does that definition um, change, not so much change or evolve over time, because um, I think that there is more things that are becoming wagerable. Like you couldn't, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, the idea of betting on the Nathan's famous hot dog eating competition felt a little strange. But here we are in you know, 2022 placing, or 2023, I should say, placing wages on that. And so I think that that is a trend that has happened and is probably natural, an evolution of, um, of, uh, of wagering. And, uh, and I think that's got a little while to run uh, in, terms of, in terms of that trend. The, the creatification, I mean, I think this is really about, I think you know, there's a lot of talk about people who make their living out of sports these days on, on sports media. And I think... You know, maybe a couple of years ago, we have, may have mourned the uh, the decimation of local news, uh, local news uh, sports groups as saying that's the end of sports media. But I think if you look at it in reality, and I wish I had the numbers to, to back this up, but there's probably more people making a living now out of sports and sports media than there ever has been. Um, just on sports, just on uh, you know, whether it be podcasts, whether it be selling picks um, or through, through TikTok, whether it be all these other ways that creators as a broad bucket i would say are are harnessing or finding an audience for um and monetizing their audience uh around 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 sports and i think that the the creatification or the 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 creators um will tend to evolve from not so much just talking about sports to somehow seeing how they could be deeper in the process and whether that it means you know, like that, my Rob Pizzola example, where that means, you know, being part of the production team for a particular sport, or that means if you take the Jake Paul example, I'm going to be actually playing in the sport, um, you know, actually competing in the sport. But I think that there's a natural evolution there of, of further involvement um, into, uh, into professional sports that, you know, I think that we are, um, you know, that we see you know, in different, in different ways, whether it's again, the Rob Pizzola example, or, you know, think about Kevin Garnett as a creator and as an example here, where we're essentially, essentially starting a league, a new league with a, with a creator. Mm-hmm. Did you get disaggregation? I did not. Remember. Yeah. Disaggregation. I, you know, that was more what, what Bill was talking about at this top where, you know, I think there's an interesting, if you think about, um, time spent, you know, shorter attention, Spans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's a well, well-worn path. But I think about well, what does that mean for sports? And so, whether it be you know people trying to reduce the time spent on a particular game, if you look at the MLB pitch clock as an example, or or twenty twenty cricket, there's a, there's a there's definitely pressure there to 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 reduce the the sport, um, the time spent watching a particular sport because people don't sit for three hours to watch it. But I think there's also 
an interesting trend of, of actually trying to disaggregate the sport into constituent parts. And that was what Bill was referring to, where if you take uh, golf, for example, and say, I'm going to disaggregate golf into putting and long drive, you know, and those are two separate sports um, that, you know, shorter duration and can be enjoyed um, by themselves. And I think that, you know, if you apply that lens to a number of sports, um, I think it's an, it's a fruitful and interesting um, uh, avenue of exploration. I don't think all of it, by the way, is entertaining because I think some of it can be quite boring. Uh, I mean, we've seen some stuff before where, uh, you know, just if, if, if it's too one note, I think it, you, you really get, uh, it, it's hard to um, attract and maintain an audience. But I think there's definitely an interesting, um, different, interesting sports that will come from from that for sure. Uh, each of your backgrounds seem quite different um, to to me. This for each of you, just sort of fill me in on your on your backstory and how how you met and what was the aha moment on um, man. I think this one might work. You want to go ahead? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I uh, I've been around the gaming and sports world for about. I guess close to 15 years now, uh, started in the poker space, um, with CMO of Everest poker, you know, built that brand internationally, uh, through acquisition, uh, were involved in a number of, uh, online casino brands, um, sports betting, et cetera. And, uh, and then from there, um, progressed to, uh, several other ventures here domestically, one of which was, uh, uh, thoroughbred racing. Uh, and I met Mike um, about seven or eight years ago on a project uh, in Virginia, and, uh, and we've been partners uh, since on a number of uh, a number of things. And I think you know my my take, and and Mike can add his thoughts to it. Is uh, you know we as entrepreneurs, you know, we've been around the space, right, on the, on the regulatory side, on the brand ideation and and growth side, et cetera, et cetera, right. And uh, and we just why we started the company is we just saw this gap, this white space around um, time of day, day of week, and and just underserved, underrepresented sports and content. And, uh, you know, we figured out that uh, if we could acquire and build out um, some sports to fill these gaps, uh, there could be an interesting opportunity here. And, you know, we started the business thinking about just acquiring the rights, the data and broadcast rights. And then we quickly realized that, to do this well, we need to own the IP uh, because we need to reprogram how and when it's produced, at what frequency, et cetera. And, uh, and you know, here we sit. Yeah, I mean, my background, I started my career as a lawyer in, in Australia, where I'm from, from Melbourne, Australia, and then uh, joined the, the, the sports practice at McKinsey & Company, where I was advising big leagues, teams, et cetera, on... Uh, Growing fandom, uh, next generation technologies, um, every everything relating to sports, and uh, left McKinsey and did some work in the thoroughbred racing industry, which is where I met Bill. Uh, and I think, yeah, as as Bill mentioned, I think that there's this, you know, if you look at the the thoroughbred racing, it's probably an interesting um, analogy uh, that we like to use, where let's there's about uh, twelve billion dollars bet on horse racing in the U.S. Uh, in a given year um people think of horse racing in the u.s as the kentucky derby you know the triple crown but like the kentucky derby is 1.5 percent of handle uh uh you know of in of that 12 billion dollars you know what is 55 percent of that handle 
is uh, claiming races and and races like that, which for most part are you know the races that are on on a Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, Saturday morning before the main event. You know they are just content that's available, um, and I think you know availability of content, um, you know, from a wagering point of view is, uh, you know, is key. And so the, uh, it wasn't a, a huge logical step to extend that to, um, sports and sports wagering. And to think about, you know, if you look at the U S sports calendar, at least, you know, three of the four major sports overlap in season in terms of months. Um, and then, you know, many of them overlap in terms of days of week and time of day. So there's a ton of, uh, white spaces Bill referred to before that um, could be uh, opportunities for other sports like the ones that we own um, to fill those gaps. Yeah, look at look at horse racing informing the future. They'd be very proud probably to, to know that if they could somehow be involved. Um, so do you own for, the, I don't know, it may even be the legal term. Do you own World Putting League, Slap Fight, Karjitsu? Do you, you say you own the IP? You So it's like ESPN buying bowl games so they can put it at nine thirty on a Tuesday during Christmas that they want. You own that. We 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 own it, uh, but I would say the distinction between your example with ESPN is you know we operate it, we run it, we produce it, we you know it's the whole tip to tail. Yeah. Okay. All right. When I'm interested with the with the reaction and the the relationship with with the sports books in whoever Bet three six five or DraftKings, they honestly they they probably don't know a lot about what you're bringing him. I mean, I know Johnny Avello is going to be an expert in car jitsu. It's like, well, when, when you bring it over and you've got, you know, I'm like acting like you're holding the data and giving it to him. But when you're, when you're processing all this and you're creating these odds, do they look at it over there and go, really? All right. I guess that guy slaps real hard. He's, you know, minus 700. Yeah. I mean, what, how do they react to it? It takes, look, it takes uh, a fair bit of education. And, you know, to be honest, they, and we welcome it, but they have to satisfy themselves that our models are, um, are legit, you know? And so mm -hmm. we've definitely had many sessions with, uh, with our wagering partners, walking them through, uh, the models we've built and, you know, the pricing that we've done and why we've done that. And, you know, we want, we welcome that because I think it's important for everyone to have confidence that, you know, no one's just sticking a finger in the ear and says, you know, I'll, I'll get that guy a plus 150. Like it's, um, you know, we, and we, and we don't bring a sport forward and to be honest, we can't, but we just don't bring a sport forward unless we're confident that it's going to be a good wagering product and we have the data to support it. Um, and so, uh, you know, as, and so I think, you know, to get to that point, you know, once we get to the point where the wagering, uh, is approved in a particular jurisdiction, you know, we've already got the, we've satisfied ourselves and, and the state commissions. That you know that the sport has great integrity, that we do have the data, and that it will be a good wagering product. And so, you know, at that point, it's still a little bit of a um, sure. It's an education on uh, from our operating partners on you know how we came up with pricing and like the source of our data and and all that sort of stuff, hundred percent. But I think um, you know I think we've gotten a good relationship now that you know people will trust that we're. <laughs> We're, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to be as, we're, we are as rigorous as we can be on some of this stuff and we don't put stuff forward until it's ready. Um, you know, simple example, like, uh, we've got this thing, Carom, right? Which is a Southeast Indian board game. We just announced the pro Carom tour where, um, you know, we've done, uh, a few events 
uh, already, and we've got a series planned for December, uh, which will not be wagered on um, because we haven't sought a single approval yet because uh, we uh, want to generate more data. We don't feel like it's it's just yet ready um, for a wagering approval. I think it will be soon, but you know we're not rushing to the books and we're not rushing to the different state commissions saying, you know, you must wait, you know, let's authorize this right now. We'd rather give it some time, um, you know, allow the audience to develop, allow um, allow our models to develop as well um, before we take that to a commission. And, you know, we take that approach with many of our sports because it's the right thing to do. And, um, you know, if we're, if we're if you're here for the long term. I see you list uh, Chris Grove and Jeff Ma as a, uh, advisors and people who would be watching or listening to this know who they are. Uh, certainly they, they're strong voices within the industry. What do they add to the mix? Well, this is, uh, uh, you know, we can't thank Chris enough. I mean, we're, we're one of two, I guess, official advisory companies, uh, us and underdog. Um, he, uh, he's very active. Um, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's a busy guy and has a lot of things going on, but, uh, he's, uh, He's been great, um, not just with his time, but um, his experience is, is allowed the use of a time to just be very succinct and action-oriented and, and just helpful in a lot of ways. So we, uh, Chris has been great. And, and you know, Jeff uh, has a slightly different background um, in, in, in a lot of ways to what Chris does. You know, Jeff, you know, also uh, great with his time. You know, we meet with him every week. Uh, you know, it works. Uh, we work a lot of... I would say different categories um, that are outside of Chris's uh, competency with Jeff. So I think that, you know, the, the two of them plus, you know, are, are uh, the Ehrenbergs uh, who are strategic investors and such. I mean, there's a, there's a great um, team of mentors, if you will, that we've put together and, and we're, we're thankful and grateful. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think our advisors and our investor team, at least right now is the best in gaming and sports. I just think they are like they, um, and in terms of, you know, entrepreneurs out there grinding, trying to trying to build a business. Like, there's there's no one else that I could think of that I'd want to have on our team. Um, and uh, each and every one of them, you feel smarter and more well informed every time every time we have a conversation. Which I just think, you know, what else do you need for an advisor um, and someone who's actually out there actively helping you? You know, looks for opportunities to do it um, and is proactive about it. Um, they've been they've been really great. Um, last question for you, I think, unless I have a, I lied to you and I get a spinoff question from what you just, you're about to say, but Bill, you, you mentioned how you, you, uh, you wanted to build out the schedule, uh, in the coming year, as far as how much content you're putting out. I always like to, to end with what is the next big thing? I mean, are you guys out there beating the bushes for this sport and you know, you're about to, you're about to bring it to the world. I mean, what, what are you excited about for 24 and beyond? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. I mean, we've used 23 as um, what I like to call setting the foundation, you know, proving out all of the really challenging and time-consuming parts of the business, you know, whether it be on the regulatory side, uh, integrity, uh, you know, operations around the sports, production, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And so, like, what we've been able to demonstrate is, you know, several um, uh, events, you know, run compliantly with integrity. We've shown competencies around building audiences, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so 2024, what we're excited about is um, scale. And uh, it's really more volume, 
more events. Uh, and I think there's some operational things that we're going to do, like with our, our new studio that we're working on, that'll help accelerate that. But it's uh, it's very much about scale. And, you know, listen, we've got 13 leagues in our portfolio. You know, some, as Mike talked about, um, are, you know, are not, you know, fully out there yet. They're still being incubated, whether it be in the rule testing or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, we, we have a whole process in, in the lab that we go through. And so, um, I think you'll definitely see more sports, um, you know, rolling out, but it's, it is really about scale. And then, you know, the other part is, uh, the, uh, our new, uh, 3X3, um, project, uh, league with Kevin Garnett and his team, um, you know, very excited for its debut during, uh, NBA All-Star Week. Did you say you're headquartered in Branson, Missouri? Is that what you said? That we're, just uh, we're, uh, we're headquartered in New York City. Uh, that's where most of the team is. Uh, we have a uh, we have a, a, a studio in Branson, Missouri, and then we're working on a uh, a, uh, a headquarters studio in the East Coast. Okay, I, I get this image of of this sort of dude perfect like warehouse where you're just sort of like trying out all these games, or like or like where they keep the aliens and Men in Black. You just walk yeah. through. There's all these crazy things going Grant- on. Branson is a little bit like that. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, we could send you some stuff from the cutting room floor. It's like, well, okay, they did that. But, you know, it's 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 part of experimentation. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what? Cannonball catching is maybe not going to be for us in 2024. Let's cross <laughs> I mean, that one right off the board. And you'd be surprised the stuff we get sent as well. Obviously, now that we've got a bit of a name, like people are sending us all this uh, crazy sports saying, oh, we should do this, you should do that. I think um, it's... Uh, you know, everything gets considered. I'll put it that way. Is it like stupid human tricks where like this weird human being has an odd talent and they want to become a millionaire at it so they want you to make a league around it so they can dominate? <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah, maybe maybe one day we'll be the judges of Dancing with the Stars, but it does feel like that sometimes, for sure. <laughs> I'm Brad James. Thanks again for listening to the Gaming Today Playbook Podcast.